Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast. This is Tommy, Seth, and Mike. We are back again for another week. Tommy was just talking. He goes, holy smokes, it's the 21st already. This month has gone incredibly fast. <laughs> it's the end of the year. I can totally relate to you, Tommy, on this one. Things have just been moving along at a, an incredible clip for me, too. It's always this time I realize all those reports that I put a year filter on and I didn't write DAX for to automate it that I have to go back and oh. add, add the year 2022 to now and make sure nothing breaks and go, I'll, I'll deal with that next year. Yep. As I d only do the same thing for in January. Same moment when all your key vault keys that you were using in data factory pipelines start expiring one year later <laughs> yeah, and you're like, man. what the, it, why, why is it always dying? Stuff's not yeah. working. And you're like, shoot, all the keys are expired. <laughs> <laughs> On the all plus the side, stuff, you guys, yeah. do you guys keep like year long running task lists or things that always start over in the next year, new year? Task I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I understand your question. So, yeah. Oh man, man. <laughs> so two, two big things for me in one note right meeting okay. meetings yep and uh or i should say certain meetings i run as well as like just hmm. daily daily things that i want to accomplish and that come up right so yep. in one note uh, buck woody had a fantastic blog a, a, a long time ago about how do you keep track of all of the stuff that happens during the day mm -hmm. And depending on your role, right, and how many different areas you're dealing with or how many different topics, like every single day of the year, I have like just a um, form that he basically, you know, created that has the, you know, seven days of the week with a little bar, everything's color coded. And then it's just creating task lists in OneNote. And then that's how I keep track of all the stuff that goes on during the day. Sure. But it's every year I get to start over. So rather than like scroll through mm. this long list yeah, now yeah. in December, I'm like, sweet, <laughs> like about to scrub it's it. almost like starting the new year and like these things where it's just now it. rolls up into the previous years and now I get to start a new one. So apparently I'm the only one. Well, <laughs> I, the reason I was asking, the reason I was asking that is because we, my, my wife and I, Kelly and I do something similar. We do a very similar, like yearly, like, family corporate meeting and oh, we kind of yeah, sit down yeah, and we yeah. do like every at the end of a new year area but it's it's not like december rolling over but we have like a list it's our it's our test list and i've i've heard i've read and you know people tend to do things more if they write them down so if you have it if you have a checklist it's true people are more likely to do yep. them so just just by having the list increases your odds of getting stuff done so so you're saying like who gets bonus in your house or not yeah it's like <laughs> well you know we have categories yeah. we kind of walk through like how did we do last year what do we want to improve this year is there something we want to work on like it's, it's like a you know just kind of a couple key items us and the kids we'll go through and let the kids pick out something that they want to accomplish achieve you know do something like new that. yeah just kind of a being yeah. a little intentional about that kind of stuff i'm gonna try to have like a mini date night with the wife and we're gonna write down our top 10 moments of the year and just kind of like walk through what yeah. each one was just to do something we've reminisce. Been, and the, the fun oh. part about this is like what Seth was saying every year you do it. So we've yeah. actually been doing this for numbers of years and since like 2009. So it's kind of fun looking back at what our goals were 10 years ago and seeing how they've oh, changed yeah. now this year. So it's, it's interesting to see the goals change as you, as life goes on. Yeah. I'll do it with the wife, but I think I'm a few years away with the kids. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, there's probably still goals. You know, get them to not be sick on trips. I think you introduce goals when they understand what five minutes means. <laughs> 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 um, oh, happy Tuesday, gentlemen. There it is. Can't there forget that. that. 
I want to I want to just give some credit to Microsoft just because I have in the past in the, on the podcast particularly I've ragged on some of the data flows and like oh man they're close but they're not quite there there's some there's some gaps I don't know where I don't know when where this happened it was probably been out there for a while I it's one of these things you try a feature it doesn't quite go the way exactly you thought it was and on a release and you're like mm, not not for me and you walk away from it like you just take a break and you're like it doesn't do what I want, and you, you're you not... I'm not sitting there like every month trying to retry the same thing over and over again. It's wasteful right. of my time. But I haven't played with data flows in, or deployment pipelines in, in Power BI for a while. I have been working on a project with a client where we are using deployment pipelines, and with much success, I would say. it's They have improved a lot of what's going on. Things seem to be working much better. I'm using the model and thin report build scenario. It's working really? like a champ. It's it's just moving my model through. Uh, this is a this is a case where we have different environments, so you know different servers, dev stage production, right? And then you can then set up a parameter for the for the SQL server to kind of like connect to different databases mm -hmm. as you move through, which works like a champ. You set up the settings. I'm changing parameters to on the the report the data model side. So I really like it. I I. Mad kudos, Microsoft. You've you've picked up the pace here on the so development what, pipelines. What changed significantly? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Good question. So when I was playing with deployment pipelines originally, and this was very early on. They came out. I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. Let's let's play around with this. You had to have a report and model all in one file. They would move, and they, you had to move them together as a as a bundle. The two of them had to be cut, like joined as you moved them through. Mm -hmm. Now what you can do is you can deploy a model. You can thin connect a thin report to that data model. So now I have basically two PBIX files now. And now I can revision them together as a unit. So I have three models, dev, test, prod. Each, each workspace has its own model in it. And I have a thinly connected report. And when I promote that report from dev to test, the thin connection now moves with the report to the new report. So it knows the report is the same thing in each environment, and it now is automatically relinking, or I think it's technically the term here is rebinding. You're rebinding the data set to every report as they move through the environment, and it's still keeping that relationship of, hey, you had this model in the dev environment. It's the same model name in the test environment, and then it relinks that report for you automatically. How Question? did I miss yeah. that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was like... When did this happen? I don't, there wasn't maybe an, like maybe it was just fixed or maybe it was supposed to be that way from the very beginning and it just didn't work correctly. I don't know. Maybe it was a bug, but I'm very happy with that now. The only thing I, I haven't, the scenario that, you know, when you start looking at larger data models, let's, you know, you have bigger models where you're talking, yeah. um, uh, you know, incremental refresh starts occurring. You have lots of partitions. It takes hours to reload the data or you're doing them, reloading them with SSMS. The thing I haven't quite figured out yet is how do I promote changes to the data model when the models get at that larger end of the spectrum? Because you can't you can't promote the data model. It doesn't it doesn't I don't think it technically promotes the BIM, the the definition of the model in every environment. I think it's actually taking a copy of the PBIX file and moving it through. So if you had, you know, for example, you have a test model and you have the one running in production, if you promote changes to the test model and then promote that to the production model, it would delete the partitions and try and reload the model. So you have that, that reloading model scenario. So maybe you don't deploy the reports with um, 
the pipeline, maybe you deploy the reports changes with a lab toolkit, which I just learned you can do adding of tables and you can do reloading of tables and table definitions without deleting all the partitions in ALM toolkit with a specific setting in the ALM toolkit. So I'm, I'm figure we'll figure it out. I'm not sure. I got to yeah. play around with it a little bit more from that perspective. I, and I, when, when were you doing this? Literally in the last two weeks. I wonder if they pre-released some of the stuff that they on your tenant only in the, no, in the December oh. release. Okay. I'll also because give them that credit in the description. December release of, here. There's a lot of stuff going on. Right, but in the in the December release, you know, to make the experience smooth and easy, after assigning two workspaces, the pipeline will automatically match items between the workspaces and yep. compare them. Yep. Which is Wait, been the problem when what which right. which announcement was that one? This this is part of the December update. This is the December update. Yeah. I didn't catch that actually in there. Let me read that. Let me see if I can find Under it here. deployment pipelines, assign a workspace to all pipeline stages. So I can I can do that now too. So now I can actually, so one of the challenges I had previously was I can't just pick a name for a workspace. It would just kind of auto-generate me one. Well, I wanted to name it a specific way. I want dev to be named this way. I want test to be named that. I want prod to be named this. Now you just pick the one you want. And the best part of this is, like if you have a release manager or you have a release process, you now have controls. So... I am the dev that part of the dev team, and there's another team that's doing production releases. So I can muck with dev and UAT environments or workspaces. We have a separate individual who owns only the production workspace. I can't touch it. I can't see the reports. I can prepare the reports all the way up into UAT and say, hey, we're done. Take the changes to production. And then someone else can come in and click the last button that says promote the last couple of reports, and you can selectively pick what, what you're promoting to production. I, I'm I'm very impressed. Very good job cleaning it up. Much improved. Go, I'm going to go re retest my scenarios against it. Then, well, does this work only kind of with the 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 methodology that you have with the thin report, or do you think this works with the standard report? Like, oh, you just it always worked with standard, standard reports. Standard, yeah. always, that always worked. Right? No, the, I mean it worked. It was the thin report yeah. that did not work. Okay, and I it, didn't know it didn't. Okay, yeah, this is like if they actually finished the feature called goals, and it would it would be good. Listen, I think we have some great user groups coming up. I already have my goal one ready to go, buddy. So it's so, going to be Tommy's goals and then Mike's a deployment pipeline. That's I think you're starting off the year. I think you're going to have to be right about that. I think we're going to have to do a, a kind of a deep dive on it and, and show people yeah. what's going on. Literally the name of my user group, unfortunately, because you guys are going to be, let me sell you on goals. Let me sell you on goals. <laughs> my goal here is to sell you on goals. Yeah. Awesome. Good, good to know, man. Anyway, good I just want to I just wanted to share the news. I feel like if you have so all that to say, if you haven't played with deployment pipelines, if you're using thin reports and data models, take another look at deployment pipelines. Now I will admit, deployment pipelines are on premium. So I, this is an embedded project for me. So I already have premium kind of lit up on the side working for me in this environment, but really like where it's going. Uh and now now doing uh dev test prod for synapse. And dev test prod in Databricks, this by far is the easiest thing I've ever seen for doing any kind of deployment pipelines. Holy smokes! Because deploying things from dev test prod for those two other environments, pain in the arse. And there's a lot of code you got to write, so it ain't easy to manage code for Synapse and Databricks to promote them through environments. But doggone it, deployment pipelines, I man, that's. It's it's covering a lot more of the use cases for more of the advanced developer. I feel like. 
There you have it. They have completed deployment pipelines. It's complete. Check it <laughs> off. It's done. done. Move on. The only thing, the only thing I, I don't, haven't tested yet, this is everything contained in one workspace. One thing I don't know is, can right. you do a deployment pipeline, one for just the data sets and one for just the uh, thin reports? Because that's, there's all, there's, you know, depending on how your organization, organization runs, you may want to keep the data sets in a different workspace than the reports mm -hmm. to deploy them. So I got to kind of figure out if that's something that's possible there too. So that I got a little bit more testing. I haven't finished it out. My gut feel is they haven't probably got that dialed in yet, but I'll do it. I'll try it. And then I'll report back in like maybe next week or maybe next year after I get some time to like I think, decompress. I think there, there are some off use cases where yeah we, we wanted to do things that probably not normal. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you may want like <laughs> if you, if you think about like proper DevOps, right? You could branch things. But you could same, do right, other kind right. of like you can have like two in two environments versus three, or you could do you could have four environments versus three. Like, there's probably other use cases here that would work, but they haven't added that flexibility yet. So we'll see. Coming in the future. Anyways, let's actually get to the real topic of today. Believe it or not, uh, twenty minutes later. Tom, you want to introduce to introduce us to our topic? Sure. So today's topic is all around labels in a report in a model. And again, this is from your text labels, your titles, your data labels, basically all the surrounding context or text that you could really put on a visual or a report. Not necessarily explaining it, but today we kind of want to take the the, the route of how important are they? Where are they too much? And what have we seen where, you know, what's their role? And I guess we'll kind of, so this is a very broad topic and I think there's a lot of areas here, but I'll kind of give the floor to you guys in terms of how do you perceive a data label or a report label, the different areas of it. And then we can kind of go from there and just kind of talk about the importance and then where it's too much. Because this is one of those things where you can either um, kind of like blow up your report with this, like, oh, I just need a data label and a label on everything, mm -hmm. which might not be the case. So yeah, I'll I'll kind of leave it at there and let's frame the. I don't know if there's a question there, but Mike, I don't I don't do have a, I don't have a crystal ball, but I feel like this is a topic ripe for rabbit trails and random topics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ready to go. We're just you know, basically, so, so let's Mike, talk about anything you want. <laughs> They were talking about Power BI. <laughs> oh yeah, Power BI. Okay, yes. sounds good. So, so I think it's important for us to like. I think if I think just the word labels or modern or model data labels. I think it's important just to define what those two things are. I'll define what it thinks, what I think it means to me, mm. and maybe Seth and Tommy, you define what you think it means because I think we're going to have impressions of different. Uh, how do we come at that definition? Right. Mm -hmm. Report labels to me indicate more of what you said tommy right a report label would be like i'm going to add a tooltip to a visual i'm going to add data points to a line chart i'm going to add axes the x and y axis labels to there or a title to the chart and um you know maybe it's a dynamic label right you click something in the chart and the the title of the report says you selected this you know so, you know right. top sales for the company called blah right or something like that it's it's kind of dynamic based on what you're selecting and then I'm going to say model labels or data model labels. To me, that's more around documenting like what is the data model doing? Some proper model design. 
there are some basic techniques that we use. You know, you hide the numerical columns and instead make a measure that's explicitly calling out, haha, see, explicit measures there. You make an explicit measure that calls out exactly what the calculation is, right? I'm doing a sum of this column, I'm doing an average of that column, because then when you hand this report over to other people, they can understand what the what the formulas mean and you're documenting the data model. So th that's those would be my two definitions. I think about the report labeling and then I think about the elements of the data model and how they're labeled. Seth, what about you? What do you think? Is there anything that you would see differently or is that how you would align your definition? No, I, I think I think you're spot on. Right? Okay. To to me, if for we're once. talking about labeling, there's a back end. <laughs> there's a back end. Yeah. And yep. there's the front end. Correct. Yeah. W w within those two areas, you know, I, I think what we're defining as a label is a, a title, a description. Yes. A, a guide, help text, comments. You know, like you, you can't really call it documentation right because mm -hmm. there's a there's yeah. a branch across those things as well as different ways to label your reports for clarity through an organization and i think all that drives the main theme of the conversation which is how do you drive clarity in in what you're building yep and and i think overall what it it drives at is think of someone else when you're building something i like right? that whether right. whether it's whether it's the person you're handing off mm -hmm. or who's going to read the guts of your report yes are are there checkpoints and helpers to get mm -hmm. that person understanding the thought process of how you built things or is it the wild west and it's like okay i gotta go figure this out right and then on the front end where i think we we can spend a bunch of time as well is how do you drive clarity in in a consumer's experience of your report and are you giving it enough thought right oh guys this is not good i think we all agree what? um this is the most boring <laughs> podcast ever I, yeah, um, all right so yeah. moving on uh, new topic I new topic um so the the one thing i yeah i i both both takes are spot on what a label is and i think what it should be from from seth points on the model side it's almost like it should be like the Indiana Jones or like the, the adventure where you should have the rope that be able to tie you back to the source. Mm -hmm. um, for me personally, I really put more emphasis on the report labels, not mm -hmm. because the other one's not as important. I think there's other things you can do from the model side. And also, I personally, I think we, we would all agree, but I but I think it's more underrated than a lot of people perceive. But report labels can make or break a report. And I think it's very underrated, not just using it. And I think that's where people can misunderstand it, where it's like, oh, no, you need a report label. It's like, well, what is it saying? And to me, the actually taking the time to write it effectively and smart and using the right fonts, using right um, even the, the color or the, the heading type, and also what it's actually saying can make or break that visual. And I think that's very underrated that it's a very... We just think putting any text there on a, on a report label, we're done. Like, good. We yep. now have explained that visual. And I don't like the standard table naming, <laughs> yeah. or visual naming mantra right. that comes with desktop. Like, if you have a, an axis, a legend, and mm -hmm. a calculation for the bar height, right? Three. Right. If you have three data columns, it puts all three data columns in the title of the chart. Oh, man. You know, yeah. this by this and this. Yeah. And if you, or tool tips. Or, yeah. And it's not, I mean. Yeah. The standard stuff that comes out of it is okay, but right. it's a little bit confusing when you have, you know, sales by, uh, sales by region by region. 
Right. Why, why does it say region twice? Well, because you've added yeah. it to like the bar height and the legend name because it's you're doing colors by region on the bar chart. So like if depending on how you build your charts, uh, you'll get weird stuff in the the header names. So so Tommy report labels. You're talking about just report page things. Titles, data labels. What are what are what are some of the steps? Or ideas that that you always bring to a report page, like you say, you just built four mm -hmm. visuals, you know. And, and I know it depends on yeah. what you're trying to convey on the report page. Sure. But when you when you look at the label themselves, like what are some of the the go to things that you're always doing? Yeah. So this is where honestly themes come really in handy with what you can do with the labels because you can really change the font. I'm making sure the color is a little faded, depending if it's the title or if it's a data label. I'm turning off like legend titles, but having the legend there uh, just so it doesn't eat up a lot of text. And uh, that's kind of my primary focus is let me get the limited amount of text with the most amount of information. So if it's like the data label for region, right, it's not region and then USA, Latin America, you should be able to already know that. Um, the other thing I'm doing with the theme file is I enable the visual helper tooltip. So the little question mark on all the visuals so i don't have to necessarily enable that each time and then i can write it makes it a lot easier to write the visuals and that's that's I, the information yeah, button right for yeah, each visual right yeah i also focus on tooltips and again on my theme having a visual tooltip like color background or um, font color to really help it stand out and also so making use of titles making sure the titles are always right or make sense um visual helper tooltip and then the actual tooltip when you hover over those are for me the major areas that i focus on the other there's obviously other parts but i think those are the things that can really enhance the visual to make someone understand it even if you didn't train them on it or it could be so dang confusing that someone knows has no idea what they're looking at even though it's obvious if you just looked at the data points i agree with that i think those are so, good places to start so it's interesting yeah is a lot of the things you described i i wouldn't quantify or say are labels okay however all of those steps make a label perform much better right like yeah. the, especially the decluttering removing a lot of the noise around the focus area right because mm -hmm. labels like what we're talking about is like how do you how do you grab somebody's attention mm -hmm. and put it put it in the right spot or right. provide the information for them in the area that makes the most sense? Right. And part of being able to direct attention is actually have something that takes, you know, draws the attention. Right. Whether that's visually, uh, you know, by a color or font size mm -hmm. or whatever. So I think those are really good points because all of that is a laundry list of mm -hmm activities right. around visual you you know kind of ui context, UX, changing yeah. context yep. right to 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 basically say you you have to present or it's a, it's a good idea to present a label by itself or have a a unique draw draw for your eyes and, and you do that by removing all this automated stuff that gets mm -hmm. bolted into the visual um to to kind of provide clarity that's I think I, I think your note there, Seth, around decluttering the report page is something I look at a lot. Yeah. And and I've heard some techniques around how people kind of try to declutter. You know, put your report on your report screen and step really far back. 
and then you know kind of close your eyes a little bit and kind of blur your vision a little bit does the mm. does the report still look like it has some congruency to it does it make sense and that's one thing i yeah. think you said seth a couple times is like that's one of your techniques that you think step back from the report step farther yes. away from it and, the, and yeah. it kind of helps you obfuscate some of the the nitty-gritty details right. and you're not like and i i think that's a good technique i i think that's a really when they're tommy you said something about changing the title so the color is a bit lighter or softer right. than right. so I like that technique a lot. And I think that's one that I actually use. You, you said that one, and I don't think that's a, a step that I do. But then I was like, no, actually, I do that quite often. Yeah. And I should set that in the theme file because I do it once, then all of the titles. And I like, them, I like titles being centered. I think centering titles is a good thing. And another technique I'm using now is I almost never use a white page background anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm almost always using some colored background. And typically, like, it's a lighter gray and then I put the visuals where I want on the page mm -hmm. because it helps me bring that, you know, if these two visuals are related, I can then stick them next to each other. And then that way there becomes one white square for two visuals. Mm -hmm. Or if I have a bunch of KPIs, I can kind yeah. of stretch them out so they all touch. So it looks like a line of KPIs or whatever. And it seems to provide a little bit of like, I, I, I use the shift keys a lot. So if you hold shift and use your arrow keys, you can nudge a visual a specific amount of pixels and so um you can like shift left shift up shift down and it will move like 10 pixels over so now i can get all my visuals on the page and i can like align the visual and use the shift arrow keys to then nudge the visual so i have this nice even 10 pixel trim around stuff that i'm looking for i gotta go on a quick side rant have you is it just me in power bi that if you try to move a visual sometimes it will change the size of the visual has that ever happened to you? Are you moving it with your cursor or are you moving it with your yeah, keyboard? Yeah, my cursor. If I move my cursor and I try to align it, it will change the size. Oh, I mean, using, no. are you grouping? No. I, no, this is literally just trying to align at the top and all of a sudden the size changes, but it will never align with that visual. I, I get weird stuff. So I, this is where I'm torn. I get weird stuff with the auto alignment stuff. So they have like auto yeah. alignment lines, the red lines that pop up like you would mm -hmm. do in PowerPoint. I have mixed um, feelings on it. In some cases, it works yeah. really good. In some cases, I've had massive issues with it. Like, it just won't align things. Yeah. Or if you have two visuals, like three visuals in a row, right. two of them are not quite lined up, and you're taking a third and trying to line up the third right. one. Like, sometimes it snaps to either of the other two, and you're like, I yeah, can't tell if it's like, lined. That's not what I want. Yeah. But it's not yeah. quite correct. Yeah. Not so, that visual. <laughs> yeah, not that. The other one. I'm a, <laughs> yeah, the I'm one a, next to I'm it. I'm a properties guy, man. Because okay. I can't stand little little tweaky things. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Like, especially Seth has big OCD. Four KPIs in a row. Like I'm, I'm always, I'm in the properties, right? Just click yeah. on each of the visuals and make sure that all the X, Y and sizing is, is there. And yep. it's actually, it's, it's pretty fast. Yeah. To I can actually, there. I could definitely see you looking at each visual going 416, 416, <laughs> 417. It, yes. Yes. 100%. And there was 100%. There's some issues. There were some issues earlier on. So if you, if you, if you look at where the visuals are actually placed on the screen, it's like, it's not exactly, you say you put it in pixels, like, up yeah. those pixels over those pixels if you look at the definition of where that visual actually goes yeah. it's actually a huge long decimal number it's not an even nice round number which i i think they're doing some sort of scaling on the report page yeah. where they're trying to scale the objects in the page and get it in the right spot but doggone it that's why it's so hard to use this stuff because it's really challenging cool. and i i don't think i move visuals anymore other than use the keyboard. So I will, I, I do wow, more, I do. Really? Oh yeah. So I will snap the images. So they're touching. I basically have everything touching. It's either touching the edge or another visual. 
And then again, I use the shift keys. I use shift down, shift left to kind of nudge the whole visual at one yeah. chunk. And then I have found that like if you want, let's say you have two visuals side by side and mm -hmm. you need a little bit of like a 20 pixel overlap between the visuals. What I'll do is I'll put the visuals side by side, make them touch. And then I'll nudge one of the visuals on top of the other visuals, one nudge. And then I'll adjust the width of the visual so that it touches again. And then I'll nudge the visual back. And the reason I do that is because the nudge moves it over 10 pixels. I shrink it by 10 pixels and then I nudge the visual back, which then gives me my 10 pixel gap between them. So I do a lot more with the key commands and I feel like that's a lot more consistent as far as like aligning edges. Yeah. And um, when they took away the quick access toolbar, I was very disappointed because a lot of the shortcut commands that I like to use on the keyboard were mm -hmm. used in desktop so I could easily align, like grab five visuals, align their top edges, like much faster yeah. that way. But we don't have that anymore. So like now I'm using a lot of these shortcut commands with the keyboard stuff. So yeah, yeah don't call it PowerPoint for data. Bring yeah. back quick access toolbar. Yeah. And I think for Seth's sake, I, Seth, if they ever, if the next January uh, Power BI blogs has introducing decimal points for the X and Y, I think it's time to retire. Yep. So, yep. but you did say something interesting. Uh, Just one thing. A few things. A few things. A few things. <laughs> it's all interesting. It's all interesting. But you think I actually want to talk about Oh, yeah. Okay. Or, all uh, right. I guess for, for the sake of kind of what, where we're going, one quick question, a little unrelated, and then going back to titles, because yep. you know you said center. So yep. we'll, that'll be the the next kind of lead in. But okay. Is shadows and borders part of the label to you, or is it really just text? And because that may be another topic. Shadows. About... Oh, man. I'm... Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. Far, I it. I like, de it. Decluttering well, is one thing. I, yeah. I think we're... Brand... That's hey, a little different. Hey, so We can go wherever we well, want. Polishing. I, I, would, I would put that in a polishing freak. Okay. I, would, I, I would not Good. quantify that as like tuning the labels of my report. I, I think 82 then yeah okay. 82 how, yeah. how to how to do shadows on visuals yes. dude this podcast <laughs> is going downhill fast man <laughs> <laughs> no, we're I, talking about like I, the most you know shadows, i was like oh no i released the beast <laughs> this is so nuanced there's everyone who talks to all my family members who talk about the podcast they're always like man it's great seeing you online i don't have a clue what you're saying <laughs> Like, it's Christmas son. week, okay. I'm like, I'm like, hey, hey, check out the podcast today, Alex. You know, because we we always hit the hit the YouTubes uh, at night, and I I can't hold a, a candle to like Mr. Beast. Apparently, it's like, <laughs> I, I know. I don't, under, I don't understand. We need to start giving away millions that. of dollars, and then people will be I'm, like, yeah, power reports, millions of dollars. What are you even talking about? Like, that's this is boring. Have a two year old. Like, all right, all when right. you have a three year old, they go, Daddy's on TV. It's like, sure. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right all right bring it sorry okay, bring so it back bring it back the one thing so, that you struck me mike you said i always do title center well, i like title center me, the jury's still out but that makes me think of something else and i think when we talk about all these different labels mm -hmm. is there a universe there's obviously certain best standards out there but are there for certain data labels or report labels best practices universal or does it depend on the report or is it like on the user? Because who's to say a center title is better than it being aligned to the left? I I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it, I think it also depends a little bit on culture potentially too. Like what country you're building these reports in. Because I've seen people do interesting things based on like what yeah. people around them understand. So I, I don't think there are, I don't think there are hardcore standards on things. If you look at like the IBCS standard, which is a, like an international business, I don't mm -hmm. remember, international business council standard. I don't know what the name of it is, but anyways, it's 
business reporting, that does have a standard. And that's really interesting. So that to me is very interesting. Building things around that standard is, is very specific. And as you use that standard more frequently, again, this is one of these things where like, if you want to get studied up, if you want to bring the analytical horsepower of your team up, have them go take a class in like IBCS standards, because it helps you cri critically think about more of what's going on right. than just like, I just need a bar chart. There's, there's right. more stuff happening there that are really rich. So um, other than that, I think that's really the only kind of really standard that people have sat down and like made right. congruent. Right. I don't know. I, I don't really have any other thoughts on that. Because I think titles and data labels, I don't know. It might be just if you already are doing it a certain... No. That's, I think it's a bit more personal be... preference than what your team likes. Right? What what have you... I mean, this is a part of these things that you say a lot of time before time. Like, you've trained your team in a certain way. Mm -hmm. They ex Your team has been... Not, I'm going to say that this is not a right term. Brainwashed, trained, learned, right? Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Your team has been kind of brought up in how Tommy thinks about reports. So they're going to expect labels to be a certain right. place. They're going to expect the, the color to be slightly off. Like right. it's a little bit lighter, right? They're going to look for a gray background. Right. I think there's like familiarity with like how your team is styling reports and you want to reuse that as much as possible. Right. But that, but that does, it, it, it's not a team thing. I don't think I would disagree from the standpoint okay. that like it, that, that falls in line with the consistency that you're creating, whether it's mm -hmm. a template, whether it's for a business sure. unit, whatever. Yeah, like, that makes sense. You, 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 it would make sense that you, you label things the same way and in the same places as you would, you know, potentially rearrange some of the objects on the page, because then you're breeding what you're discussing, which right. is the familiarity of their reporting. They know mm -hmm. you're not distracting them yep. with all the, Correct. you know, like wow, the titles are in bright red today. That's yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think or, you're taking away the attention. Or when you do change it to bright red, it's got to like, be important. Like, Dang, Every, like, yeah. This, this, this really, really, you know, pops up. Mm. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. So, is there ever too much when it comes to labels? What? And and I ask this well, because Tommy, I, you may, oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I want to answer your question again okay. a little bit more though. You said on okay. the front side, like labels yeah. for like things that are you're labeling on the reports. I do think there is a standard for labels on the back end of the reports. So I would highly recommend on the back end of the report piece, especially if you're thinking about like a model and thin report, you really want to do a due diligence around yeah. trying to add all of your all of your numerical columns, hide them, and instead add measures for each of those numerical columns. I think that's a standard that you just want to mm -hmm. do that. And yeah. every time you make a new, ideally, if you can make a, a description for each column would be helpful because if you're if you're not the one consuming the model of time it helps to give someone else some yeah. understanding about what those are doing and hovering i can't tell you the number of times now that i'm doing this all right so this is going to be going to maybe a little bit of a tangent i love tabular editor you've heard me talking about this before but tabular editor allows you to create scripts that can automatically create a measure and the measure definition can get automatically injected in as the description so i can make i can select five columns say do a sum and it says this column, this measure is the sum of this column and then writes out the name of that column, which I find incredibly helpful for new people looking at the model because now you can hover any one of the measures. And so now I've just created five, 10, 15 measures and I've labeled the, labeled the columns correctly. I've made the measure name, I've hidden the old column and uh, I've added it to a folder. Like those are like five things all happening at one time hugely productive like that just saves me oodles of time especially when i'm going to new models if you had to do all that's like 
15, 20 minutes of time, just doing them one at a time and then type. It's so tedious. I can't stand it. So anyways, I would say the, the for the backend model side, labeling, writing your descriptions down, um, making sure you add descriptions into your data model is very important. And I would, I would call that a best practice. That, that and, would be something you'd want to yeah. always do. And I think that's a lot more objective, right? Because you're not dealing with design at Correct. all. Correct. Totally you agree. Know? It's a little bit more so, clear cut and dry. Right. Right. That, that's, that's a good point. It, it is to me, it's almost as is closer to documentation than not. Yep. And there so are tools you, out there that help you like rip that stuff out and right. you can see column by column detail, like what's going on. Right. So right. I think there's like, I'm anticipating the moment where Microsoft gives us more capability around purview or whatever it is where we can bring in all the measures. I'm hoping the future that they can read all those definitions with another tool. And so by me doing do my due diligence around documentation of the measures, what's going on in the model, we now have an easier capability to document what's going on just by doing right. it. Here, here's a question for you. Me measures make absolute sense. You're combining data, mm. having a description of what that measure is doing, yep. you know, or or performing. Ton of sense. Columns. Where do you guys Where do you guys land? Right. So, in many cases, we're combining information from multiple systems. Correct. Fact tables. Yes. Right. So, what I've seen over the years is multiple ways of handling this. One is, you know, direct naming conventions on the columns mm. themselves. Sure. Or uh, a converse theory is when you're building your facts and dimensions, the column names should be the names that you want to use in your report because yep. that way you don't have to rename Name. every single column mm -hmm. that is in your facts and dimensions. So would you rather name the column with the definition like where it's coming from or have a naming convention in the column name where you're going to have to modify the name every single time you use it or does that belong in the description of the column or, or, or in, in context where if somebody's looking at these things within mm -hmm. the back end, yep. they would, they would have a quick reference to the, the back end views or tables of where the data is coming without having to go back to that other source system. I'd rather be stuck on an Island with some Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like, would you rather? <laughs> a basketball? Would you rather? How, yeah. Yeah. A would chocolate, you rather? a Hershey's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah um so I, I i may get burned for this from you guys but what i have seen or at least i've tried is especially for your dimensional things that you're using a lot in yep. a report like i'll use the naming convention that makes sense from the coding or the back end in the table but i may create actually a manual table that has like an index so i can sort it so I may create a few of those and that's kind of my relationship. So I have like the code name, the display name, like the key, like if you had like USA and it was a country key or something, Yep. but I would have a display name and I would have an index so I can sort it the way I want. And that's a lot of times what I do. So I have the, what I'm going to use from the display for what a user will see, Yep. but I can still in a sense code or do everything the way I need to in the table itself from the description point of view. I'm not sure I follow you on that one. Is okay. that, you're talking about like, you're making a view that has, you're, you're, you're no, cleaning so the... I, Yeah, so if I had a table with columns, yep. I keep the columns, you know, the way it makes more sense to write measures against, um, makes yep. more sense for the developer. Okay, yep. Now if I'm using, if there's a lot of frequent columns that I'm using like region or state or country, yep. I may make a manual table or a real, like an, a created table that has that same you know back end name 
a display name as another column, which is that what I use in the report, and I have a relationship between the two. Yeah, but so, I think what Seth is saying is saying, do you change the column name? I think you're saying yeah. I think you're saying different things. Like, do you change? Like, so it sounds like you're saying, Tommy, you build the columns for the developer. Whatever yes. the source system has, right. you align your names to what the source system the developer right. builds on. I think Seth is what Seth is asking is, in a table that has columns, do you use that developer centric column naming? Right. And then when you add that column to a table, you know, you actually type, you know, double click right. the column name and then rename it something like you wouldn't say like in the development, you'd have all the measures be no, some yeah. of something, right? It, it's total sales, right? That's the name of the yeah. column, right? But you're doing some of the sales column. I see. And then yeah, in, the, for... in the report, you would say, um, you just type it in again and just say sum of sales and you would rename the column in the visual is I think that's what you I well no I for dimensional columns not necessarily numerical dimensional columns I will actually create another table like a, a reference table that's going to have what I wanted to show in the report and that's what I use when I display th are we are we really going off or what uh, man so, no I'm sorry there's a side check going on yes like, okay the... Seth keeps turning into artwork every so often uh on his <laughs> On his video <laughs> the internet speed must not be happy the answer is yes that in a basketball that's no but honestly what i'll i think i'm with I'm you seth say, yeah. I, what I, I'm, yeah i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with seth. so seth i understand your question i think i think this is a hard question to answer do you make the column names easy for the report consumer or you make it easier for the developer i think is what you're kind of asking is that is that kind of where, where you're at there well, more often they're they're one and the same. Yeah. But to your to your point, it, you know, say I'm the developer that's yep. just building the model for somebody for a, a business group to go use. So, here's I don't. This is going to be a very it depends consulting kind of answer from my side. I I think you build the model for a particular audience, and so I think in some cases you're going to have, um. You're going to rename the column so it makes sense to the end user. So if if your model if you're building a model for other people, a, a a model for business user teams, I think you maybe obfuscate a little bit more of that naming column thing because you think you know this one model could have 10, 20 reports on top of it, right? You want it to be named total sales in all those reports. You have like a data dictionary. You're, you're defining like a model language around what the model's doing. So I think in those cases you would then rename the columns. Because other people are consuming that model to use it, and I, I mean, I still think you add a description regardless. If you if you rename the column to not be sum of sales, something else that's a bit more report centric, I definitely think you need a description to explain more clearly what is going on with that calculation or that measure or whatever that is or description for that column. For different source systems, I think the table names match the source system more so than the column names. So if you have dimensional mm -hmm. things, I would not use the weirdo SQL syntax of user underscore name as the column header because that came from the source name system. I would rename that to be just like, you know, username or salesman name. I would I would rename them so they make sense for right. the report consumer to use them, and then add a description around like where does that come from. I don't know if that answers the question at all, but I it's I think it does. Yeah, okay. I, I'm I I. I... It's a hard I mean, part, though. Being, being, being yeah. a, coming a long time ago from the SQL land, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I naming conventioned all the front end stuff, and I don't think it belongs there. I, I think to your point, depending on what, what, you know, what area 
a business you're working with or what you know what you're building in a report you have the front end names yes that are easily digestible and usable from other people because at the same point you would also potentially be opening up that model for others to consume and at that point you want to have brand not right. yep you know src and, underscore right, brand yes. underscore yep. you know dm yeah. whatever yeah, no, yeah. because yeah. they're going to be like what, what? You know? yeah and totally then, agree with you on that and one then the appropriate place yes. for description or something would be you know this is the brand from this area right? agreed and i think and you, yeah, dan meiser brings up a really good yeah. point here around this one too your data glossary right where where do you define all the things that you're making where do you define these yeah. columns and what they are i think it's I think it's great to have one. I think very few companies actually have yeah. built one. And if they do build one, it's hard to maintain one. So I think it's the maintenance. Yeah. The maintenance it kills right? you. Yes. Like, yeah. And and then because you're dealing with, you you have that weird dance between DAX best standards, where it's like camel case. like the cha-cha. You, know, you don't want spaces. Yeah. Or the waltz. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird dance. Not the it's waltz. A, waltz is nice. Cha-cha is like, you know, you got to be like, it's a little funky. Here's, here's a question a for you. Like, are there are there outside of like, so when we're talking about labeling, you know, technically that could be commenting code too, right? That's true. Um, yeah. Oh it, yeah. It, I would are absolutely. You, are you just that. in a in a raw place in Power Query where like M code is the only place you're you're adding comments? Because I'm not familiar with any place that we could add potential descriptions of oh, and things in there. I absolutely do that. Okay. Yeah, so so Power Query. Oh. Um, oh well, so yeah. So with Tommy, I'll add comments mm -hmm. in Dax. Uh, I definitely write notes there a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely use very kind of specific formatting there. To Seth's point, though, like around like what happens in Power Query, you can add comments in there, uh, and you yeah. can add comments yeah, on each yeah, step directly, directly in. Not in M. I, I, no. I don't write in M comments. I would write it in okay, the. So you're saying on the step you can add I'm, a correct. You no, can... I I'll add comments only if there's a change, like if we made an update Ooh, to something. Interesting. So it's, it's like it's like we had this kind of thing on the state yep. or. You know, just to one to revert, and I'll probably usually I'll comment out the actual steps that we're taking out Whoa. just in case. Yeah, well, so yeah, yeah, it doesn't well, load. You're an M genius then, because if you're in there actually editing the M then and commenting stuff out in line and M, that's pretty, that's pretty you know impressive. How, you know how to become a genius in coding uh, Power Query or commenting? Just click backslash twice and you're done. Yeah, exactly. That's the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you're an M genius. So, but no, but I, I, that's when I would say the labels make sense for Power Query, especially if there's any changes like we're no longer using uh, BDM from this table or we have to merge it from here. I think and it so, also depends on so like how much that's, Power Query you I use. I didn't even know that was in there. You get right-click properties and there's yep. a mm -hmm. Right-click properties yeah. and there's a comment section. So if you want to add comments there, I think I one More thing I do like about Power Query, steps. so let's talk about labeling in Power Query just for a moment. I don't like the automatic naming that Power Query does. Every time in Power Query, they add this doggone space between two mm -hmm. words, like yeah. rename space columns. Can't stand it. It's oh my I would. I just want to throw it out the window. So frustrating. I go through and I try to, in Power Query, I try and delete all the spaces because if you're trying to read the M code, it mm -hmm. adds a hashtag and then adds quotes around right, every single yeah. two-part yeah, word. Quotes. So it knows it's like, hey, you you have a space in your table name. I need to grab the whole thing as a parameter. It just drives me nuts. And And... If you never dealt with the Power Query code, you think that's how every step is like. No, you can just have a normal, normal like, step, app, readable. You know, kind of, it, yeah, or like add column. Yeah, and, the code gets like a hundred percent readable no if you way. did it in Camel Case. 
I did not yeah. know that. So you're yeah. telling me the pound the pound quotes yep. are not needed. The only reason, the only reason you have only that for is spaces. Of space. <laughs> yeah. So if you if so, you go through your table name, if you go yeah, for your step yeah. names, if you remove the spaces from them, yeah. it yeah. becomes those become one word and then With all the hashtag and the quotes go away and the whole thing becomes way easier to read. Yeah, and write. And write. So, Correct yeah. too. Because you have like you can actually hash yeah. quotes. Oh my yeah. Gosh, yeah. So it's such a pain. So yeah. I've actually I've actually asked the Microsoft team on the MVP channel. It's like, can we can you just make it a setting? Can you just make it a setting that whenever you bring in names, you just bring them camel in as case. camel case. Just yeah. delete delete like either spaces yeah, or replace them with an underscore. Yeah. That means they're modifying your your column names and stuff. No. No, this is the stuff. Oh, you're name. saying you're yeah. saying as you as you're I yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're He's, applying something that right. they own in their right. system, correct. Yes, exactly. Right? Camel case. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Camel case or just I mean, even He's, just do a find and replace. Just re right. just replace it with instead of using a space, use an underscore. <laughs> Don't care. And I remember deep diving into the yeah. white papers for Power Query back in the day because remember every step is technically a function. Yes. So everything's a function. Everything's a technical. Every step yep. you make is your own custom function. Yep. So to speak. Anyways. Um, well, I'll ask, say this too. Yeah. One more, one more note around the Power Query piece. I think Power Query documentation is good, especially if you do a lot of it. If you're bringing in like odd sources, but most of my world nowadays is bigger, larger models, and there's only most of my Power Queries are only one, maybe two, maybe three steps in length. That's yeah, it. That's really, all I use. I'm not, I'm not talking about guys like. Us, well, right? I, I, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I just well, want to make that distinction. Genius, like, right? and then you have pages of code. You know, I've the I've opened reports where like every like you have to scroll through the list of Power Query steps because there's so much going on there. And like, I'm adding that as a topic. I don't do, I don't do that anymore. Like that's to me. I push all that stuff back up back upstream. That's yeah. in the source system, and that's have that engineering is happening somewhere else. Um, from a, I could and I understand like business users can like need that capability to do those extra things but i i don't do that anymore no i i guarantee you there's a topic there was ever everyone who's except again if you're really that cloud-based you're having you have some reports that have those 50 steps or 50 queries betcha. and when is too much you betcha oh yeah so, tommy's got those all over the place oh hey who's that guy who's that guy on youtube or or, or yeah that's the guy the don't you know don't, you, don't ah! have you seen this guy on youtube the he's West hilarious guy, right yes the wisconsin oh, guy the Midwest guy yeah oh, it's a Midwest yeah, guy. the miss west started, guy he's starting popping up in my chat oh, oh my yeah. gosh the guy's oh, hilarious yeah. oh tommy good job tommy good job yeah yes. going up to green bay don't you know yep oh yeah <laughs> get you some beer and cheese <laughs> that's gonna, yeah. that's gonna be the first guy that we interview on the podcast <laughs> do you up know anything about power query he's like no <laughs> Up here in the winter, we don't even wear coats. Not just your long wow. johns. Yeah, just walk down to the street, you know, down to the local market, get just some fresh cheese and oh, milk. Man. This is He's... clearly the end of the year. Yeah, for the we, we we have had it. People are people. The rest of the rest of the podcast listening around the like either around the world are like, what the heck are they talking about? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, this is a gentleman on YouTube who who has like this Wisconsin accent and he's. He's making it extreme. It's thick, and uh, he's he makes a lot of funny jokes about people from and, and Wisconsin. We can we can make fun of it because we are Wisconsinites. We live here. We are Midwest. We, we love our cheese, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, I'm sorry. I'm born born and raised here in in the Midwest. Yep. Some people don't even consider Chicago the Midwest. I've seen a map that says Chicago <laughs> yeah. and then Illinois. <laughs> Two different states. Right. Um. Dare I ask another question or are we done? I, you, if, you, if you want to get one, I think we got one more left in this. Okay. 
My final question with when it comes to data labels from a consumer, because the, the title thing is throwing me off. Is it better to be right? Some of the times are consistent all the time. If you were had data labels and titles and it was poor or not necessarily the standard, but every report had the same thing. Is that more harmful for a user than hmm. having a report with some of the best practices and some not like some have good titles, some have like the red font when it's not needed. Which one is more harmful for the user? I'm le I'm leaning towards consistency more than being being more harmful or being better. I don't understand the question. So, which one would throw? How much, how much flexibility user? are you willing to? Let me let me let me rephrase the sure. question, Tommy, and see if I got it. What you're, what you're right trying to? Yeah. If how much flexibility do you provide users using a standard for labeling? Do you do you are you very strong on making sure it's very consistent or do you allow for flexibility in the report should just be accurately describing what it's doing and if you don't have the label the title not the right color not always shaded not a background color like if there's if there's some things that you bend on do you allow those bends to happen in order to convey what's happening inside the report or do you say you'd be more forcible about it and say we have to be consistent this is our standard. This is what we're doing. Is that, yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, it's it's more what would throw a user off if you had a poorly labeled report, but it had the same consistency, same color, same tie, same. You use the auto titles for everything, right? Same bad consistency. Same poor, like you know, like not best practice. Where you had a like the title, right? Like if it was centered or left, like let's we'll say one was better than the other, but every visual had the same format so to speak even mm -hmm. if it was not the best display for the user or you had a report with three different types of labeling systems so to speak honestly i find the inconsistency very distracting just for okay. me i think i get i think i distract if i'm trying to convey an insight or a series of mm -hmm. insights i feel like i miss it i feel like yeah. i miss the context of what we're trying to do and so i feel like i'm more on the side of i'd rather have consistent reports as opposed mm -hmm. to allowing some flexibility there because i think it distracts right. the users because I, I i ask because i do want to try doing a center title but i can't just try either on one visual right i can't have oh a, a, yeah right if you're, if you're doing if center you're do it you got to turn it on it's the whole report so like if oh, you're doing a center whole tenant yeah well i don't i, I don't think so there's why the, would you have one root yeah there's levels right i don't if you're just trying it out you have something in tab i would try maybe center of titles yeah. see that because i think it adds a little bit of distinction i don't know to that visual I, but I, if you're doing it though, I would do it across the entire report. I think right. to me, it's very distracting to have like some titles centered and some not on a report page Gosh, or by I, page I would, one, they're centered and page two, they're not. Right. To me, that just throws me off in like the groove of like, that's part of the consistent language that we're going to use right. throughout the report. And the, yeah, I would I get, even I get where you're going app. Yeah. I, if you had an app with one that was titled, yeah, go ahead. Seth. Well, I, I get where you're going. Yeah. You have, you have 50 reports out in the wild. And you're gonna add one to an app. Do you do you change all change the one, else, right? Or you change them across the board? <sighs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if there's no opportunity for like, it'd be great for great implementing new ideas and new net new thing. Um, or if if it's important enough, or you have challenges enough where those fifty reports are kind of hard to read, and there's some cycles where you can go back you know, and fix it. You're, 
putting in, mm-hmm. you know, hey, we're we're thinking of revamping our report and here's the new look and design and feel like on an existing report. And people are like, oh, my gosh, this is like the best thing since right. sliced bread. Right. Um, <laughs> then maybe it's worth going through. Then maybe it's worth ripping through the 50. You know, yeah. I, I don't I get what you're saying. Like there, yeah. there's sometimes some significant workloads that, that would have to be done to redo things. And, and that's why like clean yeah. breaks into oh, new man. new better formatting is probably yeah. like a good good approach. Like if there's right. a it, it's not being plugged into an ecosystem yet or it's a mm-hmm. net new type of report it's probably easier to introduce new new designer right clean element ideas yeah um but i get it like mm. I, i'm with you Seth, yeah. on this one i they're making changes midstream to some of these standards yeah. has a potential for wrapping up a lot of tech debt and we've had a conversation around what tech deck looks like I think this is a prime example of potential right. tech debt, right? You're yeah. changing something like titles are not going to be centered instead of left ju- left justified. That's a standard thing. Like what? But however, right? If you're controlling these things with a theme file, it's now it's now a one. But did that. you just yeah, you just go back in, you just change the theme file and say, okay, I'm just going to adjust that one mm-hmm. property, and then you can go back through all your reports and re-upload them. And this is where I'm, this is where I'm getting a little bit like, oh man, this would be really cool. Microsoft's probably not listening to this, but if they, Microsoft, if you're listening to this, it would be really interesting if I could do a lot more styling with the theme file or have something like separate that allows me to do the theme styling. I would really like to build a report without touching any of the properties pane or any of the visuals, oh most gosh. or most of it. Well, because then I could control all of that at once with the theme file. And then to your point, Seth, the tech debt for me to going through all my other reports and updating a standard for whatever those things are will be much easier. You're or saying, you're saying yeah. allow an overwrite? Oh no, just allow like another window. Like like another window or like, you know, some, something that's a bit more like, cool. I'm thinking like, okay, my, my idea here is like, it's like theme generator, right? We have theme generator up. You know, it's giving you like easily pickable like solutions. It'd be nice if that was like real time linked into the report where I could literally go to an, like another window, another program, update a theme file and the Power BI desktop file would just reference that theme file as you're building it. So like if I made an update to that re- re- theme file, desktop would automatically pick it up and use it. So like it, I could have like a live theme file yeah. that lived on your computer, but, and I could modify that the theme time, file with something else. You'd have to, you'd have, yeah, that file would have to keep track of all objects though on the page then, or that you modified, right? Like the pro, I I know I'm not respects, I'm not talking like tactical. Respects, is it possible? No, but, but I'm like same, dreamy here, but at the same time, like. It's Christmas. Is it is it far off to say, hey, like I'd love an option in the themes to say overwrite what I did, right? Like yeah. overwrite yeah. in broad doesn't, strokes. Doesn't whatever matter. I have yeah. whatever I have in there, like just default, default it. Default it. Things, push it. You know, yeah. Like, like a force with, push. At least with like yeah. font and color or something. Yep. Or and I wish you like, do that. T- with but titles though, like if someone adjusts title, I was about to say titles are one of those things. If you change the title position manually on the visual and then you update the theme file, the theme file doesn't override that right. setting. It yeah, stays where it is. Right. So I feel like in those specific cases, sometimes I need like this, you know, force push or force override. And so because I don't have that ability, it also makes me think of, well, maybe I shouldn't adjust any of the properties and I should adjust all the properties or more of them, right? So there's like this spectrum, right? If I can adjust all the properties with a theme file easily, then I don't need to go into the actual report and actually stylize the report visual 
its its own way. I can just kind of like do it externally and bring my changes in, and it just works. But the I think there's too much friction right now between yeah, I agree. getting the I theme agree. file right for what the report needs to do because it's too slow. It's too I slow to work on a theme file independently to have it like it's faster just to click the buttons. I'd say what I wish I could do in a theme is how the titles are named. If I can kind of update that or have like a my own schema for that, because we didn't even talk about this in length with, I think it, it, it does deserve its probably its own episode about like the ICBS actually has a standard for how do you name yep. the visual? Yep. And I agree. If you have one that you named and the other one's auto. Nothing else that I think could throw someone off, and I've seen that. We're like, well, what's that one? Like everything else is named, but everyone focuses on the one with the funky title. But you're that's you made my point right there earlier. Yeah. You're talking about do you stick with consistency, yeah, or do you stick yeah. with like allowing a little bit of flexibility and, in the report designs and, and like everything's properly named, but one that's what stands it throws out. people off. And the same thing for colors, right? If all the colors that, look yeah. like you build a great report, it has wonderful insights on it, and the colors are off, and then oh, no. literally the yeah. entire rest of your meeting reviewing the report is like these don't look right. Like the color doesn't look right to me or there's too much color yeah. here. There's not enough color. Like dudes, we're, we're talking like, this is our sales numbers for the year. Right. Like let's not focus on color. Let's focus on like yeah. what's actually happening. But you will. But you, but you will. will. Right. That, that, yeah. All oh, these visuals don't down. line up. Crap. If you, had to, if you had 10 visuals on a page, which you shouldn't, and only one had a data label, like data labels on the bar chart or the line chart, you better have done that for a purpose because yep. that's what's going to stand out. Correct. So that's that's a whole Or other if thing. you don't care about that stuff, then or, use the template. Or use the template. You, use build, the, build that's the template. The, that's, the benefit, that's the benefit of a, a template's themes, you yep. know, something that yep. like, if you don't want to care, yeah. then then use the default. Yep, sure. Right? It, it, like, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of like, you know, processes and templates and theme, like all those things are generated to to make sure that there's consistency. Correct. If you're a report dev and you're staying within the bounds of the main things of fonts and yeah. like whatever, and it, I, I, I don't I don't like the you can't do something right because there's always exceptions that that should be allowed, especially in reporting. Don't right? put baby in a corner. But but. <laughs> Those types of things still should go through a review, depending on the audience. Yeah, yeah I agreed. That, right? Can I can I just ask Microsoft? You want that window pane? I just want a little longer or better way to write a freaking title instead of that little small white box, because there's nothing more frustrating than changing name that way mm -hmm. and the formatting pane. Seriously, you can you guys can build it, right? You guys already built a bunch of tools. You can buy you can build Design <laughs> Editor three. You never know. Yeah. Stuff stuff's always in the back burner here. I, you heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. If I only if, if Michael only Just had something. more time. No. <laughs> as soon as soon as you get that time stretcher timing, you can make me have a thirty six hour day. As soon no. as you get that, we're gonna be a whole lot more tools coming I know, out here. I know. Still only need eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Four five. I, I just think four. I, I know it's possible for someone to do something. Yeah. Gonna get All me right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I think we've sorry sorry sorry, sorry. Oh, i'm sorry <laughs> sorry guys well with that we thank you very much for bantering with us for about an hour about some random topic uh surprisingly we made data labels very interesting and fun to talk about so that's we're good at that kind of stuff i think i feel like we're we're okay on it <laughs> i don't even know what you talked about we're marginal at best uh <laughs> so if you enjoyed the podcast if you had a, a laugh please our only ask is it, just share it with somebody else talk to somebody about it at work let someone else know that you enjoyed it you learned something from it our our goal here is just to have these water cooler type talks uh you know hang out with us online and then uh if you want to find the podcast if you're listening to it or watching it tommy where can you find the podcast well let me ask you mike what's the holiday schedule 
Same are as we always. Live? We are alive. We are live right through the holidays. Oh my goodness! All Good right. thing Christmas doesn't fall on a Tuesday or Thursday because <laughs> yeah. we'd be, you know, oh, I gotta, I gotta go open presents now. It's Christmas, Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> They go over real well. Yeah, right. Yeah, every all, all ten of the people in the whole world, all ten husbands in the whole world, or, or wives. You know, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm listening to the podcast. We're supposed to be opening presents and having a fun mailing moment, but the podcast we'll is on after dinner too, because we wouldn't be allowed in the house. All right, so if you're listening to the podcast live right now and you enjoying the conversation, if you want to listen to our past episodes, uh, we have 67 now. Uh, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. You can listen to all the episodes. I was actually not even kidding to get back into it after the break, listening to like our Q and a one from like 19. Still good. It wasn't bad. Not bad. That was 50 episodes ago. Um, if you are listening right now on the uh, Apple or Spotify, you want to join the conversation live, follow power BI tips on LinkedIn and YouTube. We have all of our live conversations. Join the chat. We have a great community out there. We do. And you guys are awesome. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you on Thursday. See you Thursday.